Hi, I'm Hallie Evelyn, and welcome back to another episode of Goddess of Crypto. I have a very interesting guest this week. Her name is Christine Lewis, and she goes by the Yoga Boss. Now, what do yoga and crypto have in common? Christine is going to enlighten us all. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse, is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. Hi, Christine. I'm so glad you're here. Blessings. I'm very happy to be here. It is a pleasure to have women taking over the space. So goddesses of crypto certainly is appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of goddesses of crypto, how did you get into your own crypto journey? Like what drew you to the space? How long have you been here, et cetera? The funny part is, is when I first started teaching yoga in 2009, I had this vision of sharing yoga and meditation with a billion people around the world, never knowing how that was going to happen because I was very low tech at that point in my life. But I felt that yoga and meditation were free, easily accessible mental health, physical health, emotional health tools that I felt like were marketed more to an elitist population. I mean, you have to pay a lot of money to go into a yoga studio to take a class There were very few people of color, very little diversity in the yoga studios. And I felt like it was such an easy way for people to kind of access themselves without needing any expensive accessories or anything fancy. You just needed the tools and the practice. So when a few things came along to push me more into the tech space and when Web3 came along, I realized how easily accessible it is to everyone and how it gives creators the opportunity to really control what they're offering. I had a client who started a Tech Runs DAO here in Miami, and the first kind of inaugural run of that was during the Bitcoin conference in 2021. And he had been a longtime client of mine for yoga. And when he started Tech Runs, which is a bunch of corporate crypto guys who play basketball, a bunch of retired athletes, professional athletes, they wanted yoga and mindfulness as part of it. So I started teaching for their DAO. And when I realized they had a DAO, I said, well, we ought to have a yoga DAO and we ought to use this Web3 metaverse crypto space to offer wellness, mental health, meditation, yoga to a global community that obviously is in desperate need. And I think especially our Web3 community needs it because so many people are lost in their avatar in front of their screen and kind of lose themselves. This is all fascinating. So first of all, for anybody who doesn't know what a DAO is, it is a decentralized autonomous organization. Christine, I got that right, right? Yes. Okay. So the point of a DAO is there's nobody in charge of it, like as a community and everybody who participates in the community gets to vote in the community, share in the community. I think of it as like a virtual commune, (laughs) like where everybody has the same goal. For example, if it's your yoga DAO, I assume that everybody there wants to bring yoga to the mainstream and make it accessible for everybody. So everybody has like a shared central purpose. And then from there, the DAOs that I've seen are run variously from great to terrible, depending on who is participating, because 
the truth about decentralization is it doesn't change people's feelings, people's need for taking power or control, even if it's set up to not have power or control. It's quite fascinating. We could probably have a whole conversation about DAOs, but tell me a little bit more about yours. I think the magic of DAOs is that everything is open source. It's a trustless system. So it's proof of work. So whatever contribution you make, everybody sees. Whatever you're doing, everyone sees. So it keeps everyone honest. And I feel like it's the best corporate structure for anything. And it also allows everybody who contributes to feel like what they've contributed, that value that they're receiving as much as they're offering. So I felt, especially during the pandemic, yoga teachers were essentially out of work because most yoga studios all shut down. People were doing more online work. And I said, well, what can we do to create a space where yoga and meditation teachers, holistic healers, Reiki healers have an opportunity to share their gifts, their skill sets, their offerings on a global platform so that you're not just limited to your local community. You have an opportunity to just share what you're doing on a broader platform. So that's where kind of the premise for the yoga DAO was. And then I started hearing a lot about gamification in the Web3 space. So the idea there is that anything that you consume, do, contribute, that you're getting a reward for. So you're incentivized, frankly, to do something. Now, I want people to feel incentivized to take care of themselves, to meditate, to practice self-care, whether it's through yoga, whether it's through just mindfulness, maybe it's through journaling, maybe it's through having a high positive affirmation conversation with your friends where you're encouraging and complimenting each other. Just being in a space where we're starting to give people more of a reason to show up as the best version of themselves. And often that requires a little work on ourselves first before that happens. So the idea behind the DAO was to be able to create a community where everybody wanted to just raise the vibration and feel more connected, feel more conscious, feel more in tune, and feel like there are like-minded people to share that space with. Now, the DAO premise then gives you the opportunity to feel like whatever you're contributing, whether it's a class or a meditation, that then you are receiving the benefits from whatever compensation people are paying for that. So in the same way you might rent space in a yoga studio, you can kind of rent space in what will be a wellness platform in a metaverse space to be able to offer your services in a global yoga studio. Let's talk about the metaverse for a minute. The very first time I put an Oculus on my head, I was hooked into the metaverse. I just think it's amazing. And I think the episode that's going to air right before yours is basically me talking about my spiritual experiences with my Oculus because I love the apps Supernatural and Trip. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they have really opened my eyes to the idea of, I'll call it positive gamification. Although I may or may not really super enjoy shooting zombies in the metaverse. I mean, I'm just saying. But my experience like on a daily, I have now really started the first workout I've ever enjoyed like every single day is because of Supernatural. But the very first thing that I ever did, and I haven't been able to find it, I actually found Supernatural looking for the yoga program that I had done a couple of years earlier was I did yoga in like the freaking Amazon rainforest with my yoga instructor standing five feet from me. And it was just her and me. And I don't remember now whether she was a real person or an avatar. It was definitely not live, but I was hooked from that minute of being in the Amazon rainforest and having my yoga instructor there 
And being able to do all of that, like without the controllers in my hand inside of the metaverse, I was just kind of blown away. So that was my initial introduction, like in my first session ever in the metaverse. So talk to me about that concept and what you've done with it. We have an entire layout drawn out of what the vision will be as far as what tools you might need to access the metaverse. At this stage of the game, I really want to make sure that it's easily accessible and affordable for everyone. So we're creating a space where that same metaverse concept, that same VR is going to be accessible just from a screen. So you're not going to need necessarily an Oculus. You can have one that certainly enhances experience. I am working to also incorporate some of the diagnostics that I don't know if you know about like aura rings that monitor your blood pressure, your heart rate, your sleep, Apple watches do the same thing to be able to incorporate some of those diagnostic sensory information data into your avatar in the metaverse. And then potentially using haptic body suits, which measure what's happening physiologically with your muscles moving, with your alignment. There are all sorts of layers to what people will be able to access, but I want it base level accessible to everyone. So we're working on getting the MVP. We have a prototype. What's an MVP? An MVP is the first version of any product that you're coming out with. So it gives people at least a functional awareness of what that product is. You get to play with it. It's a prototype. So the prototype comes out, you're able to play with it, kind of see where it's at. And then we use that to build out the bigger space or the bigger product or the mass distribution of it. So we're just in the stages of getting funding for that. And right now, the work really is just to give yoga teachers, meditation teachers, holistic healers, the awareness that this kind of opportunity exists. We want to be able to offer nutritional counseling. I have holistic medicine doctors that focus a lot on mindset coaching. Definitely mindset coaching, mental health. I have a psychotherapist who's on the yoga Dow board who contributes a lot to how we frame and structure the offerings and the platform so that people feel like they literally have mental health wellness tools at the tip of their fingers. We created NFTs, non-fungible tokens, that are 88-second animations of sacred geometry layers with chakra frequency music behind. And so the idea with that, it's immediate meditative experience. So it's a multi-sensory NFT. I know a lot of people who think about NFTs, it's just this JPEG picture that they're wondering, what is the usefulness of this thing that I could just screenshot and share on my phone? But the NFTs that we're offering through the Yoga Dao actually immediately you stare at the center, take a few deep breaths, the animation puts you into a hypnotic state. And then the chakra frequency music, which is 528, 436 megahertz, that vibrationally change the energy moving through the cells of your body and give you an immediate alpha state of just relaxation. You feel immediately calm. And then staring at the center of the animation gives you this really immediate access to meditation. So people that think meditation is a very scary concept, I know sitting alone by yourself in a dark room with your eyes closed might seem like something that's hard to maintain, but often I would teach people in meditation to stare at a candle or focus on their breath or find one focal point. And now we've given them a focal point. We've given them frequency music. So we're stimulating video, visually, audio, sensorily, so that people really feel like they're having easier access to maybe getting lost in a little meditative state and hopefully finding themselves. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I'm very familiar with sacred geometry. It's definitely something that I've had a lot of experience with. 
And I love the idea of using frequencies so that everybody has a little bit more of a background on that. Like from a spiritual perspective, having a certain level of vibration and getting your vibration higher is going to give you a better mind, body, spirit connectedness. You're going to find that things are in flow more. You're going to see that you're going to have better alignment, better ability to manifest the things that you desire. You're going to have better ideas and better execution on those ideas. All of those come with raising your vibration, raising your frequency. How do you do that? There's a variety of different ways, but sound is a really good way to get into that because the notes of music actually translate to math. So there's like, you can have sacred geometry that is translated into music. So Christine, I love what you're sharing here because I think it's a little bit of like, well, it's yoga, but it's also like the mystery schools of the ancient times have been teaching this stuff for thousands of years. So it's really such a beautiful combination. And I think the idea of putting it all into an NFT is very interesting as well, making that accessible to people. But also, what's the complaint about NFTs not having what has become known as utility, like they don't serve a purpose. So to have to give the NFTs purpose, I've had whole episodes on NFTs and the value of them in the future for a variety of different things. This is not an area that we've touched on. So it's like it's art, but it's like an art of enlightenment. So I really love that. I think that's going to be gorgeous. So when the program is built out in the metaverse, will I, as a yoga instructor, I'm not a yoga instructor, I'm just using this as an example, would I be able to hold a live class in the metaverse? Is that the idea? Yes. And it'll be your class and students can pay you directly. And it's just like renting space in a yoga studio physically but you have space in our wellness metaverse studio. I think this is amazing because I think that you nailed it earlier. The pandemic has really scared a lot of people. It also made a lot of people go, okay, well, how else could I earn my living if I'm stuck at home? I know there were people who did virtual yoga classes, but I have to say from my personal experience, not just in that one time in the yoga program, but when I get into like the apps that I love on the metaverse every day, the immersion quality of them, there's something that is very special and unique about that total immersion. So if you were standing in front of me and I was at a class with the yoga boss in the metaverse, I could be in the fourth row but no one would ever know that I'd still always be in the front row and I'd still always be with you and three feet away from you or whatever. So it's like, I would have paid for the front row seat, if you will. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And then what's cool is that there's an element of connection there. And that even if you wanted to practice with your siblings or your parents or your friends, and they live somewhere else around the world, you then have the ability to kind of be logged in into the same space to know that you're in the same practice in the same class together. And then you also have the freedom to be able to tap into some of the recorded classes, to be able to take it whenever you want. So it doesn't matter what time zone you're in and how nice would it be to be able to practice with a yogi that maybe you've heard about who lives somewhere in India or the Malayas or Asia somewhere and be able to have the ability to still practice with them and still feel like you have that personal connection. Absolutely. So does the program that you're developing have a name yet? Well, it's the wellness metaverse. So we're working not to occupy space in someone else's, but where our work and vision is to build our own. I am so excited about that for you. That is really, really awesome. 
I always talk about my audience being a very mainstream female audience. I want to understand, I want to help the audience understand why did you decide to do this? Like, what is your background that made you go, oh, let me build things in the metaverse? The irony is I now joke, my web devs now call me, like they say, I'm, I should be a web three developer consultant because I've managed to get so immersed because it's fascinating, frankly, that we have the ability now to anything that we create, anything that we want to share with the world, anything that we believe we can offer to influence, impact, change the lives of the people we touch, we can now put that into a global space. And certainly social media gave us a taste of that. But I think everybody's gotten a little in the space where they don't necessarily trust where their information is going on Facebook, where it's going to wind up on Instagram. How many times have people taken a picture that we know that's wound up on somebody else's site? And there, there's a lot of this like catfishing that goes on. There's a lot of people taking other people's ideas and concepts, which it's great to be inspired by somebody, but own your stuff. And I think that's part of where the magic in our blockchain, crypto, Web3 space is, is that you know that when you put something out there and it's connected to your wallet, that there is a chain that is open source for anyone to look up and see exactly what's happened, who created it, when it was created, where it's gone. And I feel like that is a sense of ownership that especially women in corporate culture have not had. And I don't know in any other space where you can feel that if you have an idea, you put that idea out in the world that you know from creation, inception to communication of that idea, that it is tracked directly to you. And no one else can take ownership over your idea. It is obvious that what you've created is yours. And I think that is empowering in a way that I don't think women, especially, let alone people of color in this country, have ever had the ability to feel that sense of security about what they're creating and what they're offering. So I think that what inspired me the most was that I recognize that everyone has a skill set. Everyone has something amazing that they have the potential to offer to the world. And I think a lot of people are discouraged because they don't feel like they're going to be recognized for the time, effort, and energy that they invest. And I think that Web3 just changes the game for people to be able to do that. So when I started to think about, well, how am I going to share yoga and meditation with a billion people around the world? Well, it has to be something where you're offering people something that's so valuable that they want it, that they know that it's going to impact their lives in a significant way. And then what platform can you use to put that out there? And I find that every other platform, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or whatever Web2 platform, that they're benefiting, those platforms are benefiting so much more off of our use of their platform than we actually are using the platform. So how can we change that? And then we become owners, we all become entrepreneurs because it's not that we need to structurally have an LLC or an S-Corp, which is fine, but I think that's also where DAOs, where decentralized autonomous organizations give us more sense of ownership because we realize that now there's this body, this corporate entity that we can place our work under. There's platforms that then we're able to track the work that we're putting out, where it's going, who's using it. And then we immediately are getting the compensation from it. There's no middleman. 
And I say middlemen very purposefully because I feel like it's a lot of these middlemen that have profited off of what women and people who don't feel like that have that voice in the corporate space to really feel that they're honored, that they're encouraged, and that there's a space where they really feel that sense of ownership. And even that they're being heard. So I love all of this. There's so many places I want to take our conversation. I guess let's talk, because I think this is so important these days, let's talk about mental health. I know that there's a lot of the stigmas around mental health are being eliminated, or at least the fear factor is being lowered. But I follow a prominent woman on Twitter, and the other day she was talking about having social anxiety. And then she was talking about the fact that her social anxiety is something that she really wants to share to destigmatize it. And on the one hand, I'm totally applauding her. And on the other hand, I would have lived my whole life happily without knowing that about her. So I guess I want to understand more so that I can show up in compassion. I mean, if you're a client of mine and you're sharing about your social anxiety, I'm like, I'm there for you, babe. I'm there for you. I'm going to help you. We're going to shift that all. I mean, I get that. But I feel like that is more of a specialized circumstance. Like I'm always telling everybody like, stay positive and be positive. But inside of a closed coaching session, there's going to be a bunch of negativity because you got to get through it, getting to the other side of it, and then you shift it. But it's different than being that negative person out there all the time. So help me understand. So I get more compassion with people so that I get more of an education. I'm always comforted by the fact that talking about mental health is much more normalized, especially with, I think women, women have historically, we talk to our girlfriends about things, but I feel like now I have so many more men who are open, more vulnerable about their mental health and actively pursuing mental health tools and therapy. And I feel like that is holistically changing the dynamics of our society in a positive way. I am comforted by the fact that I'm 45 years old and there are very few people in my age bracket and older who recognize that they should seek some sort of resource for mental health. I'm very comforted by the fact that the 20-somethings, the teenagers, the 30-somethings even are much more proactive to say, hey, I need a mental health day or I'm practicing self-care and and even the irony is, is I have such a demographic in my yoga and meditation classes where there are so many 20-year-olds, there are so many athletes, there are so many people that are just getting into the corporate space that are realizing that mental health is an integral component of their just daily routine. So many of the corporations now have dedicated wellness areas or wellness sessions I loved that even during the pandemic, I had several big corporations who had me do lunchtime yoga and meditation sessions with them. So I feel like normalizing it in the conversation has been one of the big leaps and bounds that we've gotten in mental health. And I feel like that's also getting to the space where people recognize that there's a multitude of options. So most people historically maybe just went to a therapist and relied on prescription drugs. And I think definitely as I grew up in the 80s, seeing what was happening in the 90s with like Ritalin and with all these like ADD prescriptions. And certainly there are people that require that, but I don't feel like that should be the first step. Obviously, we know a lot about what's going on with the food supply. We know a lot about what's going on with just the social media, the stimulation of TV and screens and 
I think people are now more in the space where they're realizing that taking time in silence, shutting down the screen, shutting off the TV, getting rid of the noise, whether it's spending time in nature, being part of the space where now meditation is something that every single perceived successful entrepreneur, person in business, person who seems like they're functionally doing well in life, that meditation is a part of their practice. Whether it's journaling, whether it's like sitting in lotus pose and sitting on their mat or whatever that is, there's some form of mindfulness that's happening. So putting this into the conversation, I feel like especially now that so many people are spending much more time in front of a screen for their work, that it makes such a difference when it balances out whatever that space of isolation might happen, that when we're sitting in front of the screen, we're just here with ourselves. But a lot of times that cuts us off from the connections that we feel from others. So giving people that space where it is something they can access on the screen, where it is something that's talked about, it is something that's normalized, that coming out and saying that, hey, I needed to take a mental health day is not something that's frowned upon. It's not stigmatized and it's not immediately given just a prescription for, and there's alternatives and there are options. And I feel like, especially when people are talking about substance abuse and the prevalence of suicide and how we have very public figures who are dealing with these things, who most people perceive have an amazing life. And then you realize we're really all feeling the same emotions, that it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what the external is. What matters is like how much time are you investing in your internal, in your thoughts, in aligning that with your intentions, aligning that with your power, your purpose, the way you want to feel every day when you wake up is somehow in line with the way you show up in the world and the way that you cultivate the relationships in your life. And I feel like when we do that together as a community that we all get a little stronger. Absolutely beautiful. A couple of episodes ago, I do every other episode is has a guest and then every other episode is just me. So because I'm a transformational wealth coach, not specifically every episode is all about crypto. There's like a variety of things. So a couple of episodes ago, I did a show that I called The Spiritual Gym, and it was talking about how to attract more money by working out at the spiritual gym. And The Spiritual Gym is a bunch of those. I gave descriptions to it. If anybody wants to go back and check that episode out, I gave a bunch of detailed descriptions, like talked about different styles of meditation and talked about a good working structure to come from so that you would be coming from a place of internal peace and calm and a little bit of grace in the world because there's so much ugly on the outside before you start your day, before you get into what's going to happen. And that focusing on the inside first and then shifting to the outside is what can make a big difference. I think a lot of people, they're like, if I just shift this thing on my outside as you were talking about before, where I live, how much money I have, the person is my partner or whatever, then it'll all feel better on the inside. But the truth is, it's actually the absolute reverse of that. So the magic is I have a lot of corporate clients, people who are founders of billion dollar corporations, a lot of professional athletes, and a lot of them come in certainly for the asana practice to move their body to feel better physically. But most of them come in to hear a little spoken word yoga. So I infuse visualization, positive affirmations into the yoga practice, and I always give them homework. And part of that homework is starting to train the mind. So the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning is a positive affirmation that's rooted in an emotion, how you want to feel, the energy you want to create, 
whatever it is that you want to have as your go-to emotion so that it also becomes like a default response that in the face of anything that happens throughout the course of the day, the mind is able to bring you back to the emotion and the energy that you want to feel. So before you're conscious even of your physical body getting out of the bed, the first thing when you wake up in the morning, having one word that's rooted in an emotion that gives you a space of feeling exactly how you want to feel through the course of the rest of the day. That is beautiful. Okay. Now I just want to share for the audience that this is not just a good idea. There's actually, there's a lot of brain science behind it and getting in touch with your feelings is like getting in touch with your body's GPS. So for those of you who are listening to this and you're like, well, that's silly, or why is it important that there's a feeling associated with it or that it's rooted in a feeling? There's a couple of reasons that I would say, and Christine, you may have other reasons as well, but one of them is it connects you with your body. In other words, it's like getting into your car and getting the directions on your GPS for a place that you don't know how to get there. You can probably wing it, but it's going to be a lot easier if you use your GPS. So having that mind-body connection can be created with feelings because your emotions are going to live in the body and you will often have physical sensations in the body that match that. So for example, when you get excited, you get butterflies in your stomach. That is an example of an emotion connecting you to your physical being. So that's a really good way of getting the thing literally embodied And that means that you can come back to it as a touchstone much more easily. Christine, did I miss anything? Is there anything else that you want to add there? Well, and just that there's some easy YouTube references for that kind of thing. I mean, Dr. Masura Omoto did all the research on the molecular structure of water. And it's so easy to know that literally your word choice, thought choice, it is changing the molecular structure of our bodies. And why not use that? I say that we have all these resources, all these options that we have internally. We don't need an external source. And so if we can start putting our mind to work for us, getting that voice in our head to work for us rather than against us. And I use a lot in the meditation and yoga practice, start listening to that voice in your head and then figure out who's doing the listening. So once you recognize that you're listening to that voice, you have the ability to put it to work for you. You have the ability to control and regulate what it's saying. And at first, it might seem challenging to have a mantra that you come back to over and over again. But if you can start to just repeat to yourself what you want to feel, you start to embody that feeling and it sneaks into you. So I talk a lot about delusional happiness, delusional optimism, that these are things that you can literally manifest in your mind. And these are mind management techniques that start to influence and impact the way you show up in the world. And if we have the access to that, why not use it? Why not create that space of, When you fall asleep at night and dream and you believe the dream is your reality, we have the ability to pull that into our conscious waking state and to create a space where we entirely believe that the reality we create in our minds is what exists. And it ultimately does. It ultimately is. Absolutely. Yeah. I've often told clients, you're already telling yourself the ugly lies that aren't true. Like I'll never get another client again, or I'll be broke the rest of my life. Why don't you start telling yourself the beautiful lie instead of the ugly lie? Because you're lying to your brain anyway. And that is often a very arresting concept for people because they're like, well, that's not reality. But it's like, well, all the stuff you're saying in your head isn't reality either. And besides reality is subjective. 
think a lot of people have a hard time with the idea that time and space are not what we think that they are. However, if we just get into the simple idea that, yes, this stuff will change you over time if you will allow it to, and if you will begin to have the practice, this is why I call it working out at the spiritual gym. Your muscles did not show up all big after you went to the gym like one time. It happens over time. And it happens as you begin to develop that muscle memory. So developing that muscle memory in your mindset, I feel is just as important as the physical workout. And I think probably more important. And a lot of people neglect that a lot. So I love everything that you're saying and suggesting to people. I think that's so important. And creating a pattern and habit out of it, I think is what's really important about it. Because just like when you go to the gym, you lift that first weight, it's super hard, it's super heavy, your muscle is sore, but then you keep lifting that weight. Eventually you got to move on to a higher weight in order to really feel the effect of it. And I think that's also just with our brain training, our mind training is just repeating it often enough that it becomes second nature. Yes. Makes all the difference in the world. So I always ask at the end, what is one more thing that you would like our audience to know? That in this moment, the infinite is accessible. That when you close your eyes and focus on that space between your eyes, all you see is infinite space. And in that space, we have the ability to create anything. And I think in those moments when the circumstances feel confrontational, when the actions of other people feel like they're not in alignment with what we want, when we have no control of the external, by closing the eyes, just sitting with one breath at a time, just allowing yourself to be in that infinite space that exists between your eyes, that in that space, there's a space for comfort, there's a space for clarity, there's a space for certainty. And I feel like certainty is really all we need to access infinite possibility. The idea that in this moment, we are in complete control. And I always use the analogy in talking about Web3 and blockchain and that we have this infinite space, this wonderland of opportunity that whatever it is you create, whether it's in the space between your eyes or whether it's with a developer to create code for something on your Web3 platform, that we are in a unique position in this moment to literally create anything and everything we want. So just sit and take the time to create it and know that, especially in this community that Web3 has created, there is somebody out there that's going to support you. If it's something of value, somebody is going to support you in doing it. So please don't ever hesitate thinking your idea is too big, that it's not going to happen or too small, that's not significant, that we all have something to offer. And frankly, if you don't offer it, you're almost robbing the world of your gifts. So the time is now, take advantage of it. I love this so much. What a great, great experience for everybody to get to hear you. All of the information about where to find Christine, where to follow Christine, and all of the stuff about her platform is going to be in the show notes. Please pick those up on whatever platform that you're watching on. This has been another episode of Goddess of Crypto. Please like, comment, post your review. It helps make sure that the show gets seen. And more importantly, share it. Share it with the women in your life, your daughters, your besties, your girlfriends, your moms, your grandmas, your wives, everybody. I want every woman to know about Goddess of Crypto so that women will know that the future of finance is female. I'll see you next time. 
Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege, it's your right.